Hello, good afternoon, good morning to those who, to all who are listening in to the show. Thank you all for tuning in to the show, Last Word Productions. Once again, I'm your host, Tavares Wilson, and I always get the last word. And today, guys, we're going to jump right into it. We had big news go off into the NFL world today, as we all seen. Sam Darnold, the former third overall quarterback, third overall pick, excuse me, who is a quarterback out of UCS, who was selected by the Jets, has been officially traded to the Carolina Panthers for several picks that include a 2022 second-round pick, excuse me, and a 2021 sixth-round pick. And I'm not fully sure what the 2023rd pick was. I believe it was a fourth, I believe. I'm not mistaken. Oh, it was a fourth-round pick, but it's in the 2022 year as well, not 2023. My apologies. Now, what does this move mean? To me, this move clearly states one of two things. For one, Joe Brady still believes there's something to shake on Sam Darnold. And secondly, he believes in unlocking that potential over Teddy Bridgewater, a guy they literally just gave a pretty good, chunky contract to. Now, I'm not, I'm not sure where this leads Teddy Bridgewater. I'm not sure this is where the end of the rope is for him. And it doesn't seem too bright for Teddy right now. I think he's going to be, as far as it seems to me, he's going to be a career backup. And the Panthers GM actually came out and actually said we'll find Bridgewater's a right place, whether it's here or elsewhere. This this just does this boat white right right now for Teddy man. It's he's not looking too good. You know, he was four and eleven as a starter. You know, signed a three year sixty three million dollar deal, didn't live up to the hype, only total fifteen total touchdowns and just a little bit under four thousand passing yards, exactly three thousand seven hundred and thirty three yards. It wasn't a ideal season for Teddy Bridgewater with multiple weapons that he had at his, in his arsenal, such as guys like Curtis Samuel, the Swiss Army Knife, DJ Moore, who's proven to be a real legit number one out here, Robbie Anderson, the speedster, you know, they Christian McCaffrey, arguably the best running back in the league. You know, these, I mean, I know he battled injuries for the most part, but Mike Davis stepped out and actually played extremely well in his absence. So it wasn't that they were lacking in any really true skill positions for him to produce. I mean, could the line a bit better, maybe, but they're young on the offensive line. They're young in their talent receivers and their core players. I mean, you would expect a better record in 4-12. and 12. I mean, 4-12, and 4-11 with Teddy Bridgewater starting. I mean, you just you just expect it better since you just gave this guy literally 20 million 20 million a season and to me it's just this was just something that they was fully sold on from the jump I think they just took a chance on Teddy's and the chance just they pay off simply put and now they're looking to take a chance on another young guy who's only I believe Sam Darner is only 23 years old I believe so if I'm not mistaken, he he may be even younger than that. No, he's 23, and the guy's still extremely young, man. You know, it's not like he's 
over all said and done with already. He's he's a very talented guy. He has a lot left in the tank to prove. He's he literally played for the worst organization in the entire football league with the most lackluster mediocre talent. The New York Jets are nothing, guys. I'm a Dolphins fan. I know they have nothing to offer. They're nothing. It's that simple. They're nothing. No good coach. GM is pretty He's average, he's so-so, but they make terrible decisions when it comes to spending money. They're average, at best. Can't produce a franchise quarterback with average tendencies or coaching and staff. It's just not going to happen. You know what I mean? Maybe you'll look up and get a guy like in the Deshaun Watson situation with the Texans, but even you see that didn't work out. He had a stellar season. They only won four games. It's a, a really good quarterback only make up for so much. But at the end of the day, I think Sam Donald still has a little bit of turning left on those wheels. And I also believe that the Panthers will be better with Sam Donald than they were with Teddy Bridgewater. And it kills me to say that because I'm a Teddy Bridgewater guy. Like, I love Teddy Bridgewater. But it just seems more realistic at this point. And, excuse me. Move on to other news. In the recent news, the reports have stated that the Falcons are willing to trade and are open to trading the number four overall pick. To me, this is huge. Because first and foremost, there to me, there are at least three to four quarterbacks that can be off the board in the top five picks. Three. Three to four. If you can get the fourth pick, you have a pick, your pickings at the quarterbacks or at the very at the very least the best skill position player in this draft or the best non-quarterback player in this draft. To me, I would trade up to get that if I desperately needed a guy like Penny Sewell or Jamar Chase or who else? Even even if I wanted to sit a year with Justin Fields or Trey Lance and take a chance on them. I do. If I truly feel committed to that guy being my guy, I mean, I don't think it's a too much steep of a price. I mean, now, teams I can see doing this, I can definitely see the Redskins doing this because to me, the Redskins are literally a quarterback of the future away from contending and winning their division for the next five to six years at least. If they could get a quarterback in that division, man, on that team with that young stud defense front that they have, with the front seven they have, and some of the young talent they just brought in, like Curtis Samuel and Antonio Gibson, and you still got Tay McLaurin, and listen to me, guys. If they can get Justin Fields in that building, I'm telling you guys, it will get ugly. It will. I know a lot of guys aren't high on Justin Fields anymore because of the emergence of Zach Wilson and his pro days. Listen, if Justin Fields gets in that building with that defense and that talent around him on offense, it will get ugly. That's all I'm going to say. Until people see otherwise, they won't believe me. Now, guys, I'm going to get off into a little segment 
the draft prospects, and this is something a lot of people wanted me to do. I'm not going to, now I want to say this now before, before anything, I want everyone to know that I will not be giving out my first round draft projections on my YouTube or podcast. I will be doing it on my Patreon, but I will only do it if I get subscribers to the Patreon. Now, guys, we're trying to grow together. I'm trying to get people to go onto the Patreon because I want to put a lot more content out. I want you guys to make me work. I want you guys to demand more of me. I want myself to demand more of you guys because I'm going to give you exactly what you want. A lot of people have told me they wanted me to do a first-round mock draft. I've done one before. I've done several before, honestly, on my channel. And we're going to take it up a step, a notch, all right? We're going to do it on the Patreon because I want to, first and foremost, be everywhere. I don't want to just be limited to YouTube and podcasts and things like that. Because for one, it's not fair to you guys. You guys deserve to hear everything that I say. And you guys deserve to get all the content that you want. So uh, at the absolute most, I would do whatever it takes to put out that content. And to start off the Patreon, I don't see any other better way than starting with my pre my predictions and my projections for the first round draft of this upcoming draft. And now that I've said that, these are my five top quarterback prospects, guys. Five top quarterback prospects. And I'm going to give you guys these guys with a couple of pros and a couple of cons for each of them. Now, I'm not going to give you the exact three or five, whatever the case may be. I'm going to give you just a little bit of tendencies that I've realized from these guys that to me could just be improved upon and make their game that much better and what I like about their game overall. And then I'm going to throw in a little quarterback comparison for each, each individual. Now, I'm going to start off with the obvious answer. First and foremost, the best quarterback, my top quarterback prospect is Trevor Lawrence. It, it, it just is, you know, if, if he isn't your top quarterback prospect, you know, I just think there is a problem there. And, and all honesty, it's not close. Because I feel as if the Clemson product, he is a guy who is insanely, insanely talented, man. And it's just, it's odd, almost eye-popping and jaw-dropping how talented this guy is. I mean, strong arm, very high IQ. He's a guy who can get in and out of his reads quickly, go from the first to the check down within seconds. And he's a guy who simply just, to me, he's simply just, the most physically gifted, talented quarterback that this draft has seen in a long time. Like, you think of the likes of Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning, things like that, that type of prospect. You haven't seen it with that kind of talent and that type of polished sets, in a sense, from a guy like this. And to me, it's just so... It's just so reluctant to even say that about a guy like this because at the end of the day, I feel as if he's a guy who can be a bit, tad bit overrated at times because I'm, I'm going to get into the why. I'm going to get into the why. So, to me, here are the biggest pros for Trevor Lawrence. Like I've already, 
I already said he's one of the most physically gifted quarterbacks that I've ever seen in my life. From a strong arm to pretty good athleticism to good IQ, learns from mistakes, you know, reads the field extremely well. He isn't hesitant to throw in the tight windows because he is more than confident in his arm and he's also more than confident in his abilities to make the right decision, which you should always be, especially as a quarterback. Because at the end of the day, every every throw you're going to make isn't going to be the, the best read. It's, it's just not. Every throw you're going to make just isn't going to be the, the best read, and every throw you're going to make isn't always going to be what you want it to be. And to me, at the end of the day, this is a guy who has that player – it factor. He has it. You know, it's just it's just what it is. You know, that's another pro for me. He's a guy that you look at and you see play like this guy's going to be it. He's the next big thing. He's a winner. That's his biggest pro. Wherever he goes, he's going to produce ticket sales. He's going to produce wins. He's going to make a team better regardless if he makes them a two or three win difference better. He's going to your record last year will be better because of him specifically. Like the Jaguars, for example, they can literally bring in no other player and draft Trevor Lawrence and they will be better. Guaranteed. They will be better. That's how strongly of a prospect this guy is. Now I will say a couple a couple cons for me. First and foremost, I think he does lock on his number one option a little bit too much. Even though he is, even though when he does go through all his reads and, you know, rousing when it's not there, he's good at getting to the next option. But due to the fact that he believes in his arm strength and his abilities so much to the point where he literally locks in and key in on that guy and say, you know what, this is my guy, this is who I want, so I'm going to go. Make I'm gonna throw him open versus taking the smarter throw. To me, that is a downfall for his game because at the end of the day, you want to make the best. You want to make the best throw. You want to make the best throw. You want to make the best play. And I understand perfectly that he wants to be this next tier talent of a player. So of course he's gonna to try to make throws he can't possibly really make all the time, because that's what the great ones do. I mean, you see it in Aaron Rodgers, you see it in Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, they make the throws that other quarterbacks, you just be like, man, how many other quarterbacks could have made that throw? Trevor Lawrence does that. At times, he just strays away from it a bit. And his decision-making can get a little bit wonky, wonky, excuse me. And this goes into my next con for him. I'm not sure how he's going to take losing. He, this is a guy who's been winning since he's been in Little League football. He's never been a loser in high school, never been a loser in college. Clemson went a stretch right in. They didn't lose a game in two years, you know. Also with in high school, I think he went a three-year stretch without losing a game. So he's going to a bad team with Jacksonville. Yes, he will make them better, but he's not about to make them a, a playoff team off the, off the bat. He's just not. They're still in a pretty good division as well. They're they're not just going to become a playoff team. He has to be willing to show the improvement and adjustments to losing because you are guaranteed to go to a pretty bad team as the first overall pick. So, to me, he has to show just a little bit of that for me. And my player appearance for him is honestly Josh Allen. You know, I don't think he's the 
version of Josh Allen that we see in his first year. I think he's literally what Josh Allen is right now. So he he, he could be a Josh Allen, Justin Herbert type player for me. He's a big physical guy. He's he's not as bulky as those two guys, like heavy. You know, even though they're both not exactly, you know, stern like Cam Newton kind of dudes, but they they got a little bit more weight on them than him, but their games are completely similar to me. It's symmetric. Strong arm guys, really tall, really big, you know, more athletically gifted, you know, especially him and Herbert are more athletic than people give them credit for. I think they can throw guys open for their arms. They all play with strength, confidence, and sometimes their decision-makings can become a little bit janky because of the fact that they're so physically talented to the point that they trust in their arms a little bit too much. But at nine out of ten times, you're going to live with that, especially from a young quarterback who knows he, he you, who you know is still learning the game. So I absolutely believe those are the comparisons for this guy. And that's who he reminds me of, first and foremost. He completely reminds me of Justin Herbert and Josh Allen. That's exactly. And another, the next prospect I want to speak on is Justin Fields. Now, Justin Fields has been receiving a lot of heat, man. And to be to be quite frank with you guys, I'm not understanding why exactly he's receiving so much heat. And to me, it's, it's just downright disturbing because at the end of the day, to me, Justin Fields is a guy who is very talented. You know, he's an accurate passer. He's an athletic guy. And he's a guy who just simply knows the game. Like, he, he isn't. He isn't the most polished quarterback. I'll admit that up front. You know, that's one of his, to me, and I'm going to get ahead of myself a little bit, but that's his biggest con. He, his, his game is so unpolished because he is such still an untapped talent that it's a simple downfall for him because he's literally limited as what he has done as a starter in college at the collegiate level because he only started a year and a half. And on top of that, He's it was always so much a better athlete than the other guys he played with on the field that he literally walks through most of his time in high school. So he hasn't truly seen that kind of competition yet. And to me, it's going to it's going to rattle him a little bit. But I think that's why whatever team he goes to, he should sit at least at least half the season, at least. It's not to say that he can't go in and not perform well. It's to say that at the if you want the very best out of this guy immediately, let him learn the game and the X's and O's first. Then you put him in. To me, I think that's the best course of action. And to me, that's not me saying that he's not ready because I do. For me personally, I think he's a better quarterback than Wilson. You know, but at the end of the day, some people, a lot of people have Zach Wilson over Justin Fields, but I think Justin Fields is better than Zach Wilson. That's just me personally. You know, you feel whatever way you want to feel about that. That's my decision. And I think his biggest pro is, first and foremost, his athletic ability. I mean, it is just an automatic given to have a guy who is athletic, big, strong, and physical as this guy. That's just a given. And then, secondly, he is a much, much, much better person than he's given credit for. Much better. Stronger arm than he's given credit for. He's a much better accurate passer than he's given credit for. 
and he has an arm that's similar to, I want to say a Deshaun Watson type of arm. He has a gun on him. It isn't world-class like Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen type of dude, but he has a he has a really strong arm. I mean, it is it's 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 great. It ain't special. It's a difference between the two, but it's definitely more than enough to get the dive jump at the next level. Now, some cons with him, I did say he was an untapped talent still, so he's still unpolished. So when it comes with that, to me, his pockets awareness is a bit shaky. You know, a lot of that showed in the in the national championship game against Alabama. You know, he had a, a he got rattled once he got hit a couple times in the pocket. You know, he made a couple bad throws, things like that. To me, that's coachable. You know, tell a guy, listen, you live to see another down, throw the ball away, use your athletic gifts to your advantage. So, to me, you got to coach that out of him. He's still young. You know, he still has trouble reading and recognizing certain packages and blitzes, things like that. Again, coachable. He's only start, been a starter for a year and a half. Coach him through this, show him the guidelines and ways and read these type of things, and you'll be perfectly fine. To me, you'll be fine. And another big thing for me, he has to be a little bit quick in his progressions. Again, this all to me, for me, this all ties back to him being so young and so under, like, under, I want to say under torts. Well, I'm not sure if that's fully a word, but just, you know, under bad circumstance, circumstantially because of the fact that he simply didn't have the time or the, the, the things that some of these other quarterbacks have had throughout their careers. And to me, it's just, it's just a matter of time of who, where he goes and how much time they give him to develop. Because like I said, he needs at least half a season to get it all in his belt. If they just throw him into the fire, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Justin Fields. But in terms of a prospect and a talent, I think he's the second best quarterback in this draft. Now, the next guy I want to get into is everyone who's been just lighting up the... Oh, excuse me. I didn't get my player comparison for Justin Fields. My player comparison for him is Dak Prescott. I think he's a, he's definitely a little bit more mobile and athletic than Dak Prescott. But I think their skill sets are vastly, vastly similar. I think they're both more bigger body quarterbacks. You know, he has he's a little bit more talented from, like, his arm strength and physical standpoint, but their games are the same. That came in kind of unpolished, but he was a very good decision maker like Justin Fields. He was accurate like Justin Fields. You know, he was a good enough athlete like Justin Fields is, even better in Fields' case. And he was also a guy who came in and who needed a little time to develop. I mean, he hit the ground running once he got his chance, but he still needed to get accustomed to what he was doing. Even in his second season, you're still seeing that that Prescott was progressively getting better. And to me, what I like about them both, they don't turn the ball over. I like, but I like that about them both. Now, the next quarterback we'll get into is Zach Wilson. And to me, Zach Wilson is the third best quarterback in his draft. And there's some off-the-back pros for Zach Wilson. He's a, an extreme talent. I mean, bar for bar, he may be the most top-notch talent in this draft, that's including Trevor Lawrence. He is a very, very good athlete. He has the most 
powerful arm in this draft to me. I think I just basically offer arm talent. I think he has Trevor Lawrence just a smudge bit. I think he has one of those Patrick Mahomes type of guns, Aaron Rodgers type arms. I think he's one of those guys in terms of arm strength alone. There's not a throw he cannot make. He throws with extreme precision and accuracy. And his touch on the ball in terms of his ability to throw touch passes or lawful passes and an orthodox kind of position thing is it's just uncoachable, man. And it's honestly his biggest strength is his physical physical standpoint. He plays with a lot of confidence, which I believe every young player should play with any player in period. But a young player especially is something a guy needs because at the end of the day, man, you're, this is a whole different league. You know, you're going up against men who have done it for 10 years, 10, 10, 10 12 years, you know, guys who've been here, done that, doing what you're doing, they went through the track. He, you have to remain confident in yourself, confident in yourself, excuse me, because at the end of the day, who 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 going to believe in you if you don't believe in yourself? Nobody. Just the God on his truth. And to me, he has supreme confidence. No one is going to deter his confidence, and no one is going to tell him what he can and cannot do. To me, that's just a beautiful thing. But I'm get to some of his cons for me. First and foremost, I think he's unproven. You know, a lot of people gave heat for Justin Fields for not being ready or limited snaps and starts and college. And to me, the reason why I'm not giving Zach Wilson that same thing is because, for one, people are putting him over Fields right now. Again, I'm not sure why. And I don't put him over for two reasons. One, BYU is not facing nearly as much as talent or competition as Ohio State is. That's one. And secondly, I really don't have a, that one game where I could point out and show people where he absolutely just lit someone up. I mean, he has flashes. He has great plays. He has great moments. But I can't go back to a game and I could just like, well, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying look at the stat Stats, guys. I'm not saying look at the box scores. I'm saying turn on the film and watch this guy play. What game did you just absolutely sit here say, man, he absolutely dissected and dominated this game the entire four quarters? I can't say that. I mean, that's not to say he's not a good quarterback. That's not to say he's bad. I think Zach Woods, like I said, I think he's bar for bar, pound for pound. I think he's the most talented quarterback in this draft because he's just that damn talented, if I'm being honest. But I haven't seen it, man. I got to see it consistently. You know, especially if they saying he going second to the Jets. And I would hate for a guy of his time. As much as, as, much as I want to see the Jets fail, because I'm a Dolphins fan, I would hate to see another quarterback be wasted with so much talent in New York. I would absolutely hate it. So if the Jets take this guy, I truly, truly hope they got something in mind to at least make it worthwhile for my Dolphins. Now, a player comparison for Zach Wilson for me, I'm going to just go with the obvious choice here. But I think a player comparison, a lot of people say Drew Locke. I'm going to say Russell Wilson. Even though he's a bigger, 
He's bigger than what Russell Wilson is. He's about 6'3". I think Russell Wilson's six feet, maybe a smidge under. But I think their skill sets are very similar. You know, they both make – I would say Aaron Rodgers as well. But I think he's by far a better athlete than Aaron Rodgers ever was in his career, even though Aaron Rodgers was a good athlete. But in terms of, like, his his motor, I think he's – a little bit better than Rodgers in that perspective. But I could say Aaron Rodgers versus Wilson. Both strong, all three strong arms, can make unorthodox throws. You know, they good getting making unscripted plays happen. They could do the unexpected. But the thing that separates Wilson, Zach Wilson specifically from those two guys is the fact that, to me, Rodgers and Wilson were – Rodgers will at least approve. Wilson had a lot to approve, so that's why I see him as more of a Russell Wilson type guy because he has the talent. I mean, I'm not denying him of any of that. He's one of the most talented guys in this draft. Again, third time I said it, but you got to show me. Now, the next guy I want to speak on as my full quarterback is Trey Lance. Now, Trey Lance, first and foremost, tremendous skill set, really good athlete. He has a really, really strong arm. He throws a Darts as a fastball, if I should say so myself. As a, he's pretty good at making decisions in terms of where to go with the ball. He's a he's kind of a good, accurate passer. I think he could be a little bit better with his accuracy and his ball placement, but I think it's good enough where he could build on it. Now, some cons for him, he's extremely raw. I mean, he's a guy like... Even more raw than what Zach Wilson and Justin Fields is. He's a guy who you literally are taking a chance on of being a wild card. To me, he has to sit the whole first season. He has to learn. He has to indulge into the playbook. He has to just absolutely why you at practice to put him in. Because this is a guy, if you put him in a game too early, that could be it. That could be the difference in his career for being not even just great, but for being good or bad. Because he just simply doesn't have the experience. He lacks vision in terms of seeing the field. Like, it, it's it's just, it's not coming natural to him yet. I mean, he's such a good athlete to the point he's letting the game come to him. He's letting, trying to make the game come to him instead of just letting it come to him, if that makes sense. It's not natural yet for him. It seems like he's still going through the motions at times. Excuse me. And to me, this is a guy who can be a stud if given the right kind of coaching and given the right kind of circumstances. And and in all honesty, I think a guy like I think a guy like him will be a perfect fit for the 49ers. I would not be shocked at all if they took him third overall. Cause he's a guy who they can build up in talent. You still got a Jimmy G. As your starting quarterback, you could let him rest and sit under Jimmy for a year, learn a thing or two, because at the end of the day, Jimmy has played in the Super Bowl. He has a Super Bowl ring. I know he wasn't a starter, but he has one. And he's also a guy who's played in multiple winning systems. He can learn something from him. And my player comparison for him, I'm going to say the same when I said for Trevor Lawrence. I think Josh Allen. I think he's a, a really good athlete like Josh Allen. And I think this is an even better comparison because he's exactly what Josh Allen was coming out of college. Raw talent. That's it. You know, big arm, 
big kid, athletically gifted. You know, he can, if you put it together, he can be special. And seeing the transformation into Josh Allen from just in a matter of two years, I mean, I'm willing to take that chance of Trey Lance if I was somebody, <laughs> if I could make him into what Josh Allen is. Now, my last quarterback is the Alabama quarterback, Mac Jones. Now, Matt Jones is a guy who, to me, just I'm 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 gonna say my I'm gonna say my player comparison a little early here because it's honestly eye popping when I watch them play, and to me, his is Matt Ryan. He is the spitting image of Matt Ryan to me. Like he is a either Matt Ryan or Andy Dalton. He is literally those two. Good enough quarterback, not the strongest arm, not the most talented, but he's a good decision maker. He's going to make the right throws, and he's he's going to put your team in more situations to win than he will to put them in a situation to lose. Now, what does that mean for Matt Jones? Like I said, I think he's very intelligent. I think he makes the best decisions on the field. He's an accurate passer. He has very good pocket awareness. To me, his pocket awareness is probably one the second of first best in this draft and he shows good anticipation in terms of where he wants to go with the ball and what exactly he think will be open and throwing guys open at times now with that being said he's not the most physically gifted player biggest con of him he's just not you know he doesn't have the strongest arm he's not the best athlete you know he's it's just not him you know he's not any any kind of running threat at all he's just not and to be honest with you, his lack of ability to able to be able to compete for a starting job and actually win a starting job at Alabama is concerning. Because, I mean, yes, Tua Tagovailoa was there. Yes, Jenna Hurts was there when he was there, things of that nature. But he was never in those discussions over those guys. Never, not even once. So, to me, it's... It's something that's just about this situation that doesn't sit right with me in terms of Matt Jones. And I think Matt Jones can end up becoming a pretty solid quarterback in the league. I don't know if he'll ever become a pro bowler type dude, but his ceiling to me is Matt Ryan. If that means you could get one MVP season out of him because of really good coaching and a really good situation, so be it. If that means you can get one Super Bowl appearance out of him, so be it. I mean, whoever, depending on how you're looking at it, that's a success or not in your eyes. But I think at the end of the day, right situation, he can turn into something. Now, guys, I want to get off briefly into some NBA news. Now, as we all seen, Kyrie Irving just absolutely slaughtered the New York Knicks tonight. You know, he put up a 40-point game despite the fact that James Harden went out with an injury. Hopefully, everything's okay on his end. And he just absolutely manhandled the Knicks tonight, man. I mean, it, it was ugly. Like, he was dazzling the crowd with some moves. He almost did the Damian Lillard Dame time signal. But he, he, he caught himself. He caught himself. I was glad he did. I was like, oh, man, Dame going to say something about that. But anyways, to speak on the other NBA news, now, I'm not sure. 
I, I believe my last episode, I spoke on the Westbrook and Stephen A. Smith situation. And if I did, I'm going to just briefly sum it up for you. I've always been one of the firm believers saying that rings are overrated. Because, yes, I feel as if in order to be in the greatest of all time or the greatest of a position argument, you have to have at least one ring. I can admit that. But to say that a guy legacy relies solely on a ring and things of that nature, to me, is just, it's just absolutely asinine and unfair. So the reason why I brought that up is because of this Damian Lillard situation. Now, Damian Lillard, he had gotten into a little Twitter spat, tweet spat with some fans, and a fan had said, you know, I got a soundtrack for you. He said, one Curry owes me and two no rings. Damian Lillard responded saying, one, going to touch $400 million before I'm 35, end of soundtrack. My kids, only people who own my own me, baby, let that marinate like net bone juice. Then after that, someone has said, I'm happy for you, bro, but those M's still can't buy you that championship ring. And then Damian Lee responded, facts. But when you all aren't worried about me as a basketball player, when I'm done, I will be living the greatest life with my family, whether I do or not. Just know I put my best foot forward every night. I won't be thinking of you. Absolutely right. Again, I'm going to say this once again, guys. A ring does not leave behind the legacy. You know, God bless, God rest his soul in the great late Elgin Baylor. Notice how I said the great late Elgin Baylor. The great. No one sits here and say, oh, Elgin Baylor could have been better. Elgin Baylor didn't do this. Elgin Baylor didn't do that. No one says that, even despite the fact when he was alive. No one ever sat back and said, man, Elgin Baylor wasted his career or he didn't win a ring. They just say, man, Elgin Baylor is one of the greatest players to ever play this game. That's all they say. No one in the 20, 20, even 10 years from now, if Damian Lillard retires, they're going to look back at him and say he is one of the best shooters and by far the best Portland player we've ever seen. Same thing I said about Russell Westbrook. They're, going to, they're not going to bring up the fact that Russell Westbrook hasn't won a ring. They're going to bring up the fact that he is literally one of the best overall basketball players we've ever seen play this game. Mr. Triple-Double himself and the fact that he literally overcame a season of adversity, they're going to applaud him. So again, to me, rings hold the weight when you're still playing because your legacy, your cements, in a sense, is still being dried. But once it's dry and people clearly know what you are and what you've done, they will look at the more positive side than the bad side. That's just what it, that's just the nature of the game. Now, guys, we're gonna hop into the fan Q and A real quick. You know, I wanted to just expand on that a little bit for those who didn't know exactly what happened. And I will begin to this. <clears throat> excuse me. And I will be getting to the. Michael Rappaport and Kevin Durant situation real soon. I didn't speak on it because someone had asked me a question about it specifically, and I wanted to be sure that I answered it on one of my questions that I have. Excuse me, guys. I got I to gotta find it real fast. It's, it was in my screenshots, I believe so. Oh, man. I cannot find this question. Oh, here we go. 
Okay. This first question comes from Byron Johnson. He asks, should Kevin Durant face punishment for his message for Michael Rappaport? If so, should he be fined or suspended? Well, we see the answer to that. He got fined $50,000, you know. Do I feel as if he should have got fined $50,000? No. I mean, Kevin Durant has been in a public, has been a saint in a public image for about two, three years now. But let's not get it twisted. Michael Rappaport is one of the biggest trollers and biggest just just downright <laughs> foolish people you'll see on social media these days. He's a guy who would literally poke the bear and then scream running when the bear responds or wakes up. That's Michael Rappaport. And to me, I'm not going to sit here and feel bad or sorry for a guy who does things like that literally for reactions and, and attention because at the end of the day you put it on yourself I mean Kevin Durant came on and said himself that you know we text like that all the time now he's going on um, Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp show saying that him and Kevin Durant aren't even friends like he's clearly just playing the victim to me I mean if, if you guys weren't close at all why would Kevin Durant make this up the media is clearly going to put his statements out there. Why would he just make that stuff up? Who knows? But to me, I don't think Kevin Durant should have been suspended or fined for it. You know, but he was. You know, he, he is an NBA player. He has to watch the certain things he say because he's on a certain pedestal. But me personally, I don't think he should have been fined or suspended for it. Now, this next question comes from Facebook from Larry Green Jr., who does the Dolphins, who do the Dolphins take at number six? To me, the answer is obvious. You don't take anyone at number six. Why? Because you trade for Deshaun Watson. <laughs> it's that simple. I mean, I know people go say, guarantee you beating a bet, you beating a dead horse, but I'm serious. That's what you do with the number six pick. You trade it to Houston with multiple other picks and maybe a play or two for Deshaun Watson. Now, if push comes to shove, you don't trade for Deshaun Watson. You need number one, number six pick. To me, you draft Jamar Chase. And I think he's the best receiver in this draft. You've seen his pro day, 41-inch vertical, 4-3-8 speed. He's the best deep threat home run hitter in this draft. You need deep threat home run hitters on your team. Yes, the Dolphins just signed Will Fuller. But outside of Will Fuller, who else is a consistent route winner and deep field threat for you. To me, in this day and age, you need at least one guy who can consistently do it and one guy who can occasionally do it. Because this is a go-deep league. Think about it. The Chiefs, you had Hill, Hartman, Watkins. All three on any given night, it'd be a deep threat. Travis Kelsey was the meat and potatoes. He was in the middle of the field. And then on top of that, you look at other teams, high power, you got DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, both deep threats. Tory McLaurin, now you got Curtis Samuel, both deep threats. Even though Curtis Samuel is a Swiss Army knife, still deep threat. To me, you got to have more than one. Now, this next question comes from Geno Peterson. Is there any team in the East with a chance to derail the Nets from the finals? To me, there are two teams with the biggest chance. You know what? Three. Because I'll get a 76 as a fighting chance. The only reason why I'm not fully sold on the Sixers is because I just don't know about Ben Simmons and Joel to be healthy. If they both can stay healthy, I think they have more than a chance to beat this team because, for one, they won't be able to stop Joel and B. And secondly, 
Ben Simmons is one of the best versatile defenders in this league. I know Kevin Durant is great, but Ben Simmons is one of the few defenders in this league that will make it a tough night for him. He's just one of the few. And you pair that with a guy like Danny Green who can play defense like the way he can. You put him on James Harden. You know, it's, I mean, James Harden's going to win that matchup more often than not because he just has the physical strength and size over him. But to me, you match up pretty well, though. Then on top of that, I think the Bucks have a good chance. I think they match up extremely well, And if I'm, if I'm being honest. P.J. Tucker's there now, very versatile defender. You got Giannis Antetokounmpo, defensive player of the year. You got Chris Middleton, another long-range guy who can score. Then you got Drew Holiday, who many regards as the best defending guard in the league. That's, to me, that's four guys who can guard. Again, you need defense to derail the Nets and slow them down because they're not going to play defense, not much of it at least. So if you can score and you can get you a stop here and there, you're in pretty good shape to me. And then the last team I think got a fighter's chance, I think the Miami Heat. Again, same reason why I said with the, the Bucks, They got a lot of versatile defenders. Bam Adebayo can guard one through five. If you don't think, if you don't believe and you don't think he can, go watch the film with him, him guarding Curry or him guarding Giannis Antetokounmpo, and him guarding um, any guarding like Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. He, 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 he holds his, well, his own extremely well and ex- extremely impressive, if you ask me. Jimmy Butler, we all know who Jimmy Butler is on the defensive end. I don't have to say that. Vidal Depot is an all-NBA defender. Three guys defend the big three, and then the whole Miami team is nitty and gritty. They're going to get after it. So, to me, those are the teams with the best chance out east to the to derail the Nets. And this next question comes from Mason Moon. He actually stated, we got to see a first-round mock draft from you. And maybe not this episode, but that'll be interesting. So, again, guys, I will be doing a first-round mock draft, but I will be posting it on my Patreon. If you want to get access to that, I will be posting a Patreon link in my bio, on my YouTube channel, on this video specifically. So you can click on that and you can go visit me on my Patreon, all right? Now, he does have a specific question here as well. Excuse me, I have to unlock my phone again. He asks, does LeBron AD even play another regular season game this year? (sighs) I think Anthony Davis will. Because th- one of them, to be honest with you, one of them have to come back. They just do. Because the Lakers, if they continuously play the way they're playing, because in their last nine games, now they're three and six. They're only three games out from the seventh seed. I believe it's only three games. If they continuously play the way they're playing, they're missing the playoffs. It's, it's that simple. They're going to miss the playoffs. And it's going to be real unfortunate because they had a lot of aspirations about this season, but they are. They just are. They continuously play the way they are. So LeBron or AD, one of them had to come back to at least give this team another reliable scoring option. I mean, of course you would want to be LeBron since he can score and get others involved. AD is just more so of a scorer. And, but it, either one of them will make them better right now. This next question comes from Nun Martinez, bust of the 2021 NFL Draft. Oh, man. 
I don't like to call people bust, but there are there are two players that come to mind when I think of this. Number one, Penesua. I d- it's not that I believe he's going to be a bust. I don't believe he's going to be this generational tackle that people believe he will be. I, d- I just don't see it, man. And I'm not saying I don't believe in the guy. I'm not saying I don't believe in him because he, I mean, his, I mean, he's, I think he allowed only like three pressures in what, a two, two year span or something like that. I mean, that's absolutely phenomenal. I'm, I'm not denying him any of that, but it's a different league, man. You know, it's a different beast. I got to see it. And the other guy who I think could potentially be a bust, man, I hate to say it because I'm, I'm a fan of this guy, but Najee Harris, man, I just, I just don't know how well he's going to implement himself in this league. And it's because he's, he's, he's such a hard runner. He's such a physical runner. I don't know how long his body can withstand it because he's not good at necessarily making guys miss. He's going to have to get better at it for sure if he wants to have a a pretty good career If over three years. He's, he's going to have to get better at it. To me, that's why I like guys like Travis Etienne because he can make a guy miss and still lower the shoulder on you. But he knows how to avoid hits and not be hit. Najee Harris, it's still a skill that he's learning to me. You know, he has progressively gotten better at it. I've seen some improvements in the national championship game. Maybe some of his trainers and stuff have gotten in his ear. I just hope it could come out like that. Because I think he's a very, very talented guy. Give us, this next question comes from Josh Roberts. Give us your top five QB order after pro days. This is my same as that top five that I listed earlier in the episode. So if you were listening to that, you heard it there. This next question comes to Tanner Cooper. What's your take on the beef between KD and MR? He means Michael Rappaport. Again, I gave my take in the episode. I mean, the earlier question to me, Michael Rappaport overreacted. Kevin Durant is clearly not making all this stuff up. And I think he shouldn't have been fine. Simply put, I don't, I think it's complete BS. You know, I think Michael Rappaport is again playing the victim and the boy who cried wolf again. Top MVP candidate in the NBA right now from Dequay Moore. To me, the top MVP candidate has been Nikola Jokic. I think it has to be. It's either him or James Harden, even though James Harden just got hurt, but that was literally tonight. So I think James Harden and Nikola Jokic are the two top MVP candidates. To me, it's just a roll of dice between those two, but it's definitely between them. Thoughts on the NFL adding another game? To me... Oh, this next question comes from Daniel Yorkson, by the way. To me, adding another game is completely unfair to these players. There's already a lot of wear and tear in their bodies. You know, they're literally going to battle with one another. And now you're just putting more risk on injuries. There's no offseason to truly prepare, no preseason to truly prepare to get their bodies ready for that kind of consistent impact. It's just a bad idea, man. I don't like it at all. This next question comes from Ryan Heck. How much wood would... <laughs> you know what? Let me not... I, I almost read that. He almost got me. Well, guys, he did ask me, who do you think... Who do you take bones 
or Francis. You know, I don't do this here because I am an NFL NBA-based podcast, but I will just answer because I do like USC. I'm taking bones, man. But, again, thank you all for tuning in to the show once again. Please be sure to like and subscribe to the channel on YouTube, Last Word Productions. Be sure to follow me on Instagram, at Last Word underscore Productions. Be sure to follow me on Facebook and <clears throat> all my Apple podcasts, I mean podcast platforms, excuse me, such as Apple, Google, Radio Public, TuneIn, Amazon Music, things like that. You know, I'm always under, under the same app for those, all, all of those platforms. It's Last Word Productions. Thank you all for tuning into the show once again, and I'll see y'all in the next one. And be sure to check out the Patreon. The link will be below this. I promise you, you have a good one.